actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 today. Hey y'all, it's Brandon Hall. Just bringing you back with a little kind of a mini episode here. Just wanted to go over some things regarding the show, when it's progress and what's coming up. Plug a fellow podcaster with a really good show. And I wouldn't want you guys to leave without getting a little something, so I'm going to give you a pretty good and entertaining police dispatch story that uh, happened pretty recently here. So on to the show, we have our live event that's coming up still very soon. Just be sure to be on the various social media pages for any updates on when it's going to happen. Working still on some technical aspects of getting everything right that I want to happen. I do want it all to be on video, so I've picked up a better camera instead of the old piece of junk that I had. And also uh, want to do you know, some call-ins, some phone calls, things like that. So I'm setting up a dedicated number for that. And also trying to find the right uh, software to allow everything to be recorded and played in different areas. I'm uh, generally pretty technically savvy but this is still a learning process for me i'm learning all this stuff as i go along so just uh, forgive me for any delays that may have occurred i am uh, glad to announce that last week uh, the show touched on the apple top charts in the u.s for the first time in the true crime category which is a huge deal so i wanted to thank everyone you know thank all of you guys for listening and i uh, hope you continue to do so hope you're enjoying the show as it's coming out it actually remained on the charts for about four days, and these charts, especially Apple, they're a little bit weird in the way they do things. The, they're done daily, so it's uh, primarily made up on downloads, but I believe reviews are also factored in there somehow. I'm not exactly sure how, but if you don't mind leaving a review for the show, whether it's on Apple or Spotify, Google, or if there's a you know whatever podcast app you're using, if they have a slot for um, you know any type of reviews, go ahead and leave one for us if you like us. And if you haven't done so, go ahead and follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, which uh, can be found at Music City 911. And look up her Facebook group called the Music City 911 Podcast Discussion Group. And consider donating to the show using uh, Patreon for some soon-to-be-released extras, including you know future live shows that will be for Patreon members only. You can find us there at patreon.com slash MusicCity911. That's www.patreon.com slash musiccity911 and moving on to the show I was talking about it's it's called Haunting History it's a very in-depth show in which their aspect is more investigative 
They interview police officials as well as victims' family members in what turns out to be an incredibly informative show. Uh, let's roll their trailer real quick and see what they have to say. I'm Kat, the host of Haunting History Podcast, the podcast that reaches back into the past to the stories and headlines that still haunt us today. Approximately 76.2% of abducted children who are murdered are dead within the first three hours of their abduction. In so many of these cases, someone saw something, suspected something, or knew something and never reported it. On June 26, 1980, Carrie Patterson, a friendly and outgoing 15-year-old, left her home in Fullerton, California to meet up with some friends. She never returned. Six months later, her skull and portions of her remains were found in an oil field in Tonner Canyon, kicking off what would become a four-decade mystery, leaving her family heartbroken, a passionate cold case investigator without answers, and a newspaper reporter without an ending. Join us on November 4th as we talk to her family, the cold case investigator from the Orange County Sheriff's Department, and others still searching for who killed Carrie Patterson. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Haunting History Podcast, and subscribe wherever you listen. Our cold case series starts November 4th. It really is an interesting show, and I hope you guys check it out sometime. But moving on to the incident I was talking about, as I said, this happened pretty recently. I made a post about it in our Facebook group, and, uh, you know, we had a kind of a pretty crazy guy who was breaking into cars and houses around the Donaldson area, which if you're not familiar with Nashville, it's just east downtown between there and the Hermitage area. And I say he was or is crazy because he was doing all this breaking in in a particular way. He was using an axe. It got everyone in the area and, you know, a bit of a scared frenzy and for good reason. There was video from people's home security cameras with him walking through front yards with the axe held at his side. Just not something you see on the daily. And this guy had some priors, but not a lot. He had stolen some cars before, some drugs but nothing necessarily violent. And luckily this time he wasn't violent either, but it doesn't necessarily make me or anyone else feel at ease when someone's rock- walking around a neighborhood wielding an ax. And the thing about this guy is as crazy as he is, he's pretty slippery too. He managed to get away from the police a couple times. The previous day uh, to the one I'm talking about, he jumped out of a second story window to get away from him. Well, because he had gotten away from the police a couple times along with the severity and the amount of crimes he'd committed over the past few days police really wanted to grab this dude so they decided to employ a little bit of everything they could to try to get him and this is where i come in a police command was set up for his capture involved in the command was a variety of different patrol officers a couple canine units plainclothes detectives our srt team which is what everybody else essentially calls swat Uh, our helicopter was up and a variety of other units because of so many units involved uh, they needed a dispatcher and they got a private radio channel for it and away we go so to kind of give you a layout for this whole deal as to the area it was around the elm hill pike area right off of briley parkway and for those that have been to nashville and kind of know about the area this is kind of the area between right between the airport and Opryland, where the Opry Mills Mall and the Grand Ole Opry and the Gaylord Opryland Hotel is, all that kind of stuff. And around the area he was 
they believed he might be in right then. There's a lot of hotels around there too. Some of them, you know, real nice. Some of them not so much. And this suspect, he had been bouncing around a couple of these hotels for days without going into exact details of how our knowledge he would be at uh, one of them that day. I'll just say that we had a very reliable tip that he would show up and we roughly knew when. Everything was set up as perfect as it could be. Officers had, you know, marked patrol units. They were out of sight behind other hotels and just hiding out in different places. Plainclothes detectives and other units like that and unmarked cars. They were mobile, kind of driving around, but they were sparse. There wasn't a lot of them. Canine was there too, but they were also off-site and aviation was a couple miles away. So it was hovering pretty close by. Could swoop in really quickly, but it wasn't so close that it was going to spook him off or anything like that. Then the waiting game started. There was some light chatter on where the officers were set up at and some other small details, but after everybody was in their spots, uh, it got quiet, and it was quiet for a while. And dispatchers out there know when you have something going on like this and it gets quiet for too long, something's about to happen, and it did. So I had one of the officers in an unmarked car key up and asked me to run a tag just out of nowhere. It was completely quiet before this. And, uh, you know, as soon as he did that, I I ran the tag and I had a feeling something was going to turn out from it. Turns out it was a stolen vehicle. The guy we were looking for has stolen vehicles before. The driver and other occupants were a little bit difficult to see through the tent windows. But it looked like it could be the suspect pretty easily. It was him and two other people in the car. Both of those appeared to be women. Andy was in the target area. Andy turned onto the target street. And he was driving towards the target spot. And then he turned into the target spot, but immediately turned around and drove back down the road. So all these things seem pretty evident. This is our dude. So police needed to follow him. Some units remain in the original target area just in case, but... Some of the unmarked units followed the car, and I'm guessing he picked up on this. Marked units were on their way, but they were a block or two away when they started running, and they did start running. We called our helicopter in to follow, and they were blown through traffic lights, stop signs. Marked units lit them up at this point, and by that I mean they turned on their blue lights trying to get them to pull over, so there was no denying that he was running from the police at this point. He goes a couple good miles and uh, ends up on this street that's primarily different apartment complexes. Aviation still falling overhead, given his location. He turns into one of the apartments and heads towards the back of the complex. He pulls in next to a dumpster and jumps out of the car and starts running down a hill and jumps into a creek that runs behind it. Canine's pretty close behind him and in Nashville, canine can be used to apprehend a suspect that's in a stolen car. So they get out and follow, even though he's out of sight at this point. So they didn't actually see him jump or anything. So things are pretty heightened at this point, obviously. But the police and dispatching gods must not have uh, thought must not have thought this was enough. One of the females in the vehicle decided she wasn't going to go to jail either, and so she jumped in the driver's seat and of that stolen car and takes off. So a decision had to be made. You have to either stick with the one on foot or stick with the car. So aviation 
couple of the patrol units stuck with a car while K-9 did their, their track of the guy that was on foot. The car pulled out of the complex and hopped onto Briley Parkway and then from there got on the interstate. This whole time I'm relaying the information uh, of the locations from aviation to the officers that are trying to you know catch up and everything. And this whole time the stolen car is driving a high rate of speed only a couple couple miles away from the next county. I have to get them on the phone and and let them know that you know we're chasing a stolen car and they may head that way so they can try to get units out there to help assist as well. Luckily, while I'm on the phone with that county's dispatch, they get off the interstate on the, the last exit of our county. And after heading through a couple more cl- locations, I guess they finally figured out that they weren't going to get away. So they pulled into a hotel's parking lot and just stopped and gave up. Two females in custody there in the hotel parking lot. Now they were, you know, in custody for driving a stolen car, which they may not have actually got, you know, pinged with the first time. I'm not sure exactly what they were doing. I'm, you know, kind of uh, speculating as to why they were in the car with somebody with a stolen car, but could be any number of reasons. But at this point they were driving, so it doesn't matter. But we're still looking for uh, the original driver, who's our main suspect. Aviation pull, pulls off from the uh, car and heads back over to the assist with the search for the one that was on foot. Patrol and other units are out there. They're setting up a perimeter. And by location, I'm trying to guide units to different cross streets. So if he gets up in a yard and then tries to cross a street and, you know, jump across, he's going to be seen. Canine finds an article of clothing, which he had on, which helps them immensely. They get a better scent from him and they're able to track him more easily. Luckily, Canine did pick up a trail on him and found him hiding on the edge of a creek close to an old discarded mattress. And once he saw the dog close to him, ready to bite his ass, he gave up pretty quick. So at this point, one more suspect in custody. And most people think, you know, this is where it ends. And in police shows and the like, they usually do end there. But not with real police work and real dispatching. We had a slight problem. This canine officer was pretty deep in the creek bed, kind of sandwiched between a couple of rows of houses and duplexes. And he was the only officer there with the suspect. So he and his, so he was there and he had his dog in one hand and the handcuffed suspect in the other. And he needed some help with the suspect because the terrain was kind of difficult down there. And it was, you know, bad enough by himself. You have to add trying to control a trained attack dog to the mix. And it's even more difficult. Added that, that the dog had a scent for the guy that he was holding in his other hand. You know, and all that just makes it damn near impossible for this one officer to get everybody out. And the tree cover was so dense that the helicopter couldn't really see them either. So the patrol officers had to jump behind some of the houses trying to find, you know, just kind of from what he was saying, uh, our canine officer, where he was, to go down there and help him. And luckily, within a couple of minutes, they found him and were able to help him out. So... At this point, they got all three people in custody. Pretty good end of the story, right? We got our guy, got a couple others along with it. Good deal. Nope. That wasn't our guy. (laughs) This was a guy who, on this day, must have had the worst luck in the world. 
I mean, pretty dumb luck that you're driving a stolen car right in the middle of a huge police operation like this, looking for a dude that closely resembles a guy that looks like you who also likes to steal cars. So we did get some criminals off the street, but we were still missing our primary target. So he either got spooked or decided he just didn't want to show up at all. But later on, what he did decide to do was break into another guy's house while he was sleeping, stole his car keys, and after that he essentially stole the car too. But what the guy didn't plan on was the fact that this guy didn't have very much gas in his car. So the next day he was spotted getting gas for this stolen car at a downtown gas station. Police swooped in as quick as they could and tried to catch him again. And this was our guy. He took off running on foot just like he had the past couple times. And he ended up jumping off some sort of a, like a wall that's pretty close to the river. And it was pretty high up. But luckily the police were on the other side. They were waiting for him and grabbed him. They called an ambulance out to check him out because he did do a pretty long fall. But it turned out he was fine. So we finally got our guy, the local Facebook and other groups. They put the news out real quick after the police re- uh, released a photo of him in the back of a patrol car on the way to jail. And, you know, everybody kind of breathed a sigh of relief and felt a little bit more safe that night. So that kind of does it for this story and this little mini episode. I just wanted to let y'all in on a couple things and along with giving y'all that little story there at the end. So I hope you enjoyed it. Going to have a full length episode here. I would imagine here in the next few days, actually been working on that as well. So until next time, Music City 911, this is Brandon Hall. We'll see y'all later.